0: Podcast
1: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. www.brfcs.com. By the fans, for the fans,
2: since late 96.
1: Welcome to BRFCS Podcast Number 78 our first podcast of the 2014-2015 season. I'm Wenwai Hu, the BRFCS editor. We finished last season's podcast back in May, discussing a 12-match unbeaten run and finishing short of the playoffs. The unbeaten run came to an end after 14 games with defeat at Norwich a week ago, but we've had a decent, if somewhat unspectacular, start to the new season. Uh, Seven points from the first four games, so... Uh, here's hoping we'll be able to pick up and put together a sustained challenge for promotion to the Premier League during the course of this season. With me in the virtual studio for this first podcast of the season to discuss the start of the season and look at the close season dealings on the transfer front is Chief Reporter Cammy. Also joining us later to look at the annual report and accounts of Venki's London Limited, which has just been published, is financial expert Philip L. Well, Cami, um it's good to have you on again. Good evening.
0: Yeah, nice to be doing a podcast after such a long time, Ren. So, yes. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Yeah, just like to uh, take this opportunity to thank everyone who's been uh, uh, tweeting us on uh, uh, on the BRFCS account and asking for these podcasts. Uh, it's taken a bit longer than we hoped, but you know, hopefully they'll be more regular now.
1: Yeah, um, this should settle down to a fairly regular pattern of uh, once, once every week uh, from now, now, now that we're, we're settled. Uh, it's good, good to uh, get back into uh, the run of things. Uh, it's been good to uh, get the forums going again with some uh, real, real discussion rather than uh, uh, talking about very little indeed over the summer. Very quiet summer um, and uh, we're, we're, we're glad to be up and running uh, with a new season. Uh, We played uh, um, Norwich and Bournemouth in the last week. Um, Reverse at Norwich for our first defeat since uh, March the 12th against Bournemouth, as it happens. And uh, that was on the back of uh, a reasonable uh, start to the season with a a draw against Cardiff and then a a very good away win at Blackpool. Um, Norwich and Bournemouth, um, if we'd like to just go through those, Cammie, you uh, you saw the Bournemouth match, of course, uh, down at Teawood. Uh, Norwich, uh, you've only seen uh, through the uh, uh, Rovers player, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, couldn't get to Norwich on a. It was a midweek game, so it's very difficult yeah. for me to get down it's there. Miles away, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, full credit to. I think it was six or seven hundred that actually went down to to Norwich on a Tuesday night. which absolutely fantastic effort from everyone. Um, but yeah, I've, I've I've seen the full highlights via the rover's play, and really it was a game we we started amazingly well, of course, with uh top Kenny scoring after 43 seconds, I think it was, um, a, a cracking finish as well to give us put us one 0 up. But then it was a game which really turned on two decisions. Um, we had a what looked like a clear penalty. Uh, having seen all the replays, etc., not given to us. And then 10 minutes later, um, Norwich had the ball wide and they, they put a cross in. And uh, Jason Lowe was only a few yards away from the winger and he hit his hand and referee blew for a for a penalty. Very, very soft penalty, I thought. Because, um, you know, he, he didn't make any gesture to stick his hand out or anything like that. He was He had his hands down. The guy crossed it, and it just happened to hit his hand. He, you know, he, it was more uh, ball to hand rather than hand to ball. Um, so that was a very harsh uh, penalty, particularly considering we hadn't been given one literally ten minutes beforehand. Um, so you know, they got uh, even then. Um, Robinson saved uh, Graben's, uh penalty, um, but then the rebound sort of was kind for Norwich, and Graben was able to. Uh, took it away 1-1 after that uh, to to be fair to Norwich they completely dominated the game particularly the second half Um, they poured forward and uh, it was Paul Robinson um, making at least three or four world class saves which actually kept us in the game Uh, unfortunately um, uh, we couldn't hold on and after 87 minutes they got their second goal Um, and then as we pushed forward Uh, to try and get an equal as in fact we had one cleared off the line and they hit us on the break and and obviously beat beat a 3-1 and that brought to an end that long unbeaten run that we'd had Um, so it was disappointing in terms of first of all we were winning 1-0 we could have been 2-0 up with a penalty but the referee uh, didn't give us that decision and then gave them a soft penalty but then Fair credit to Norwich, um, second half in particular. Um, they completely controlled and dominated the game and and we were indebted to Paul Robinson for keeping us in the game for su- such a long period. It's just a bit disappointing then to get so close uh, for, for them to, to, to get a winner right at the end.
1: Yeah, um, Paul Robinson came in for some criticism after the Blackpool match. And um, he 's bounced back with uh, a couple of uh, excellent performances, very good again against bournemouth uh, now you 're talking about the uh, the controversy of uh, two two penalties, one that wasn 't um, now the new ruling by the uh, by the authorities is that the hands need to be in an unnatural position, and um, from from what I read the Uh, Norwich player um, handled it handled the ball on its way into the net uh, but the referee indicated that he thought it was the chest Um, but uh, with with Jason Law's one uh, it sounds anything but unnatural to have your hands down by your side I mean it's a a very unusual um, interpretation isn't it yeah exactly
0: that's right you know um Jason Lowe's hands were in an unnatural position and uh, arguably the, the Norwich uh, defender who handled it going into the goal was. And not only would, would Rovers have had a penalty, it was most likely the Norwich player would have had to be sent off as well. Um, so, so yeah. Um, I mean, the refereeing for us this season has been poor anyway because even mm. the Cardiff game uh, where we had a, a penalty, you know, it was a clear penalty. Again, it was yeah. after first couple of minutes the ball was in the box and uh you know the, the player got fouled and for some reason the referees decided it was outside the area. So so even that game there was some controversy and obviously we're going to talk about the Bournemouth game and again I know we were three 0 up but uh, when Bournemouth got the first goal, that was a penalty given against us and that was a complete and utter dive, you know. I could see that from where I was at eighty yards away. So yeah, the refereeing has been poor, and unfortunately, uh, uh, this season anyway, thus far, um, the, the the refereeing um, you know has basically cost us some points, you know, because um,
1: poor, poor decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Norwich uh, were described by Gary Boyer as the the best team he'd seen uh, since he'd taken over as manager. Um, from all accounts they deserve their the victory um, what, what was your impression of Norwich That apparently they're uh, one of the favourites uh, statistically also one of the favourites to go straight back up uh, what was your impression of Norwich?
0: Yeah, they, I mean they're a very very good side they've managed to keep hold of the majority of their Premier League players uh, with the increased parachute payments that the clubs get they've not really had to sell any of the star players and they have got a fantastic side, you know, Redmond and etc They've they've got a lot of Premier League class in and they've added Graben. Graben was at Bournemouth last year, did really well and they've added him and he obviously he's made a, a very, very good start to the season. He scored I think four goals already for them, or maybe even five, uh, he and you know, he's just carrying on uh, the form that he'd shown for Bournemouth last year. So he's a very, very good striker. So yeah, um, they probably are the best side I've seen as well. Um, I saw them play against Ipswich at the weekend, uh, prior to the Rovers game. It was it was a Sky game that was I was watching, and and they looked good against them as well. So uh, them and Derby seem to be the two outstanding sides in 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 the division. Uh, but I mean, as we know, the uh, the the championships are funny league. You know, teams who start well. Uh, doesn't mean that they'll just go and walk the division. I think anyone's capable of beating anyone on the day, but yeah, from initial impressions, Norwich have looked very, very impressive.
1: Yeah. Uh, One other thing from the Norwich match, um, you know, as you say, midweek Tuesday and uh, getting back from the match, uh, I think um, uh, our our own uh, match reporter, Parson Blue, was saying that uh, on, on the forum that he didn't get back to Ewood and uh, get to bed until about quarter to five, I think he said, in the morning, and uh, I mean, that's uh, it's quite quite an effort to to get five six hundred plus uh, down to Norwich midweek. Um, there was uh, something about Norwich turning down a request uh, to allow the uh, a televised beam back of the match uh, to to Ewood. Um, do do you, do you have any anything on the ins and outs of that request
0: um basically the football league have now uh, come to an agreement that any midweek games uh they can be beamed back uh to so the away team can beam them back uh to to their home ground and that's you know available to all clubs uh, across the championship um rovers made a request to to have a beam back uh to, to Ewood Park uh, for that particular game, but uh, you've got to get the home team agreement. And for some reason, I don't know why, or or, or maybe it's a technical thing that Norwich were comfortable doing. Uh, they they were wanting not not for that to happen. Um, and I mean, every single game that Rovers have is 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 beamed back to Ewood and then beamed live to to Pune so that the owners can see it. So. So there is this beam back going regardless of 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 it being live or on t v Rover's beam back all the games to Ewood and from there it gets beamed to to Pune. so I think Rovers wanted to extend that and have it maybe on the big screen inside Ewood park or have it in blues bar so so you know the local fans could get to it but um, norwich uh, uh sort of um uh, turn down that request. Um, I don't know the reasons why, but uh, it is something that the Football League have now approved. That clubs can beam back any midweek game. Um, they can't do Saturday games because of uh, the uh, there's agreement in place that you can't have any three o'clock games beam back, but uh, anything else is it, it is possible to uh, to do that as long as uh, the home team is in agreement.
1: Uh, presumably, uh, there also has to be some kind of financial incentive for for the home team to do so. Is is that correct?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, maybe you'd have to make sure the away club will probably have to pay for the live beam back to happen. But mm-hmm. um, I d- I don't think there's any like um, any charge or anything like that, or or any anything extra that a club away club mm-hmm. have to pay it's just to make sure. The costs for beaming back are covered, but uh, mm. I don't think there'll be anything else. They couldn't say Rovers did a beam back and sold tickets for two pounds for people to come into Ewood. Uh, Norwich couldn't claim any of that money. That would still all go to Rovers if they wanted uh, to
1: to do that. Yeah, but presumably uh, to compensate the uh, the home team for uh, possible loss of uh, revenue, presumably uh, yeah. there is some some kind of fee to be paid.
0: I I I need mm. to uh, for the next podcast. Mm. I'll I'll check that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see what the
1: be interesting uh, what the terms yeah, are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'll have a look uh, yeah. into that for the next podcast.
1: Because mm. I would imagine there'll be quite a few of our listeners who are interested in uh, in in going along to 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 watch uh, beanbags, uh, especially yeah. for these long distance ones. Absolutely, yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Now, Bournemouth was uh, another uh, long distance one for the Bournemouth fans. Uh, they only—I uh, I started counting the Bournemouth fans at one stage, but got when I was a little bit bored in the second half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> weren't that many of them, but uh, well done for coming up uh, up north. Um, Three-two, but uh, five goals scored. It should all have been for Rover, should it not?
0: Yeah, it was a weird game. Uh, Bournemouth started off very well. Uh, they do keep possession fantastically. Their possession was good throughout the game, but um, we kind of controlled the areas where they had possession, so we allowed them to have the ball in their own half, and um, particularly in the first half, said, right, if you want to pass it around, you can do so in your own half, and we'll sit back and let you do your little passing movements, and then we'll uh, force you to come out a little bit, and then we'll hit you on the break, so So that worked very well in the first half, apart from the first 10 minutes where it took us just a few sort of time to bed in our formation and see what Bournemouth would do. But after 10 minutes, I thought uh, in the first half, we were brilliant. Um, I thought Gary Boyer's tactics in the first half were spot on where he had his wingers right on the touchline. So Marshall and Conway, they were both literally hugging the touchline. So what happened was when we got the ball, because they were so wide, it stretched the game and it stretched uh, Bournemouth's defence, so the, the full-backs had to go out and cover or the wingers, their wingers had to come back and, and really we stretched the game and the pace we have in Marshall and Conway uh, really, really caused them a lot of problems and obviously we rode the road, scored one. Um, it, that was of his own sort of making, really. He, he dispossessed the defender and then coolly slotted it away. Uh, then was um, Grant Hanley who got the second, and obviously Rudy Gusted, uh got the third, which he sort of deflected in. Three um, nil could have been four or five nil at half time. Um, uh, Rhodes hit the inside of the post. We had a, another header from uh, Baptiste, which went flying over. I think we had a Gusted chancel. So uh, we really dominated that first half after the first 10 minutes. The tactics were spot on. We hit them on the break. Um, we stretched them, and they couldn't cope with our pace out wide. And particularly on the left-hand side, where Conway and Marcus Olsen were um, really combining very, very well throughout that first half and really stretching that Bournemouth defence and and, and you know, we, we created some fantastic opportunities. Uh, second half, uh, unfortunately, I saw it straight away. Uh, we, Whatever was said at uh, half-time, there was a, a change in, in tactics, from what I could see anyway. Um, Marshall and Conway were no longer um, hugging the touchline, but they'd come inside, so we were more compact Uh, the the midfield was more compact, the defence was more compact and it looked to me we were happy with 3-0 and we just wanted to sit on that lead Um, and you know, to be fair we we managed the game quite well from there even though we weren't creating anything, Bournemouth weren't cutting through us but the game changed on 81 minutes um, where again we were done over by a really bad refereeing decision, a ball went into the box and the player took a clear dive. I could see that from from where I was. And when the referee blew up, I thought he was going to book him for for diving, but he he gave a penalty instead. Uh, that then uh, allowed Bournemouth back into the game. Then a couple of minutes later, from a corner, uh, we left the player completely unmarked, and he headed it down and past uh, Robbo. So that was three two. And then the last few minutes was just bedlam in our box. You know, they were chucking the ball in. We making last ditch tackles. Um, uh, Robbo made a, a good save, and then right on the death, I think the shot was flying into the top corner, and it was Baptiste who stuck his head in the way and blocked it, and and we managed to hold on for a vital uh, sort of three points. But we made it harder for ourselves uh, um, by sitting back and and changing the way we're playing. Uh, from in, in the second half but then we weren't helped by um, you know, we were still comfortable but in the end it was a refereeing decision which uh, allowed Bournemouth the opportunity to make it 3-1 and, and put us under pressure
1: yeah uh, with uh, all the speculation uh, surrounding uh, Jordan uh, before the match uh, it was pretty much guaranteed that he'd score <laughs> and uh, the amazing thing about Jordan um, He wasn't in the game that much, but he scores one and and then hits the inside of the post, as you say. He's got a phenomenal record, hasn't he, in terms of hitting the target and, of course, scoring. Um, I'm going to come on to uh, the Jordan Road saga uh, in a minute. But, yeah, the the first half, um, in a 15-minute spell, we absolutely ripped them to shreds. And uh, it could easily have been uh, 4-0 after 28 minutes. Uh, superb bit of a, a, attacking play, and uh, yeah, second half. Uh, once you once you take your foot off the gas, it's really really difficult to uh, to pick to pick it up again, and that proved the case in the last uh, ten minutes or so. It's um, yeah, so it's a dangerous uh, dangerous game to play, and I never feel confident with uh, with Rovers uh, these days. Uh, they're not. Uh, uh, defensively sound uh, from front to back I don't think uh, to be playing a, 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 a waiting game trying to pick, pick their opponents off so yeah I mean I, I think that they should just keep keep going for the jugular all the time uh, 3-0 up uh, should, they should just, <coughs> just try and dominate, uh, do, dominate the teams uh, rather than sitting back and invite pressure on them uh, at the end of the game much rather uh, uh, see see them uh, um, trying to dominate a uh, for uh, for the game rather than uh, um, sitting back. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on to um, uh, the Jordan Road saga and transfers. Um, we've uh, we've had a pretty quiet uh, summer. Um, the uh, ins happened very early in the in the window. Chris Brown. Uh, and Luke Varney were, were brought in very early on. And um, there'd been uh, new contracts uh, handed out to uh, Jordan Rhodes, uh, a new uh, five-year contract, and also uh, Donny and uh, Marcus Olsen. It wasn't clear at the end of last season what would happen, but uh, their contracts were also extended. Uh, one or two people weren't sure about Marcus Olsen, uh, but he did have a, a decent end to, to the end of last season and uh, he's, he's been uh, really good uh, and certainly uh, uh, earned, earned his corn at the beginning of this season. Um, it's uh, f- much, much better. More like uh, Olsen Mark 1, uh, uh, like his brother Martin, uh, uh, this, uh, this last few games when I've seen him. Uh, very impressive uh, form. Uh, out we've had uh, Alan Judge going to Brentford. And uh, uh, Ruben Rochina uh, has left us uh, as well. Um, There were six players that were put onto the transfer list. And uh, we've we've seen the end of uh, DJ Campbell, David Goodwillie and Dixon Etuhu, whose contracts were all bought out. And um, uh, Leon Best, uh, we couldn't uh, uh, find a a buyer for him. Uh, Obviously, he's on very high wages. Uh, but he's uh, gone to derby on a season long loan. Uh, Jordan Slew uh, was the, the the final member of the six and uh, he's uh, he's still uh, with uh, with the rovers. As such it's it's been a relatively quiet uh, window. But all of that has been uh, dominated by uh, speculation over the last 10 days or so uh, concerning uh, Jordan Rhodes. Um, we've just had uh, uh, Gary Boyer going over to Pune for a, a scheduled uh, meeting uh, with uh, Mrs Desai and uh, the Venkis. And he's just got back today, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the Jordan Road saga is quite something. Cami, do you want to just take us through what actually happened uh, over the last week uh, with uh, Jordan Road and uh, the, the uh, uh, approach from Whole City?
0: Yeah, um, I became aware of it on Wednesday. Someone was telling me that uh, a club, a Premier League club, was in for for Jordan Rhodes, and they believed it was Hull. Uh, I didn't really take much notice of it. Um, I thought we've seen these kind of stories before, and uh, um, I'm you know I hear virtually every month that someone's in for for Rhodes. So having he, him just signed a new contract as well, I thought, well, whoever it is is. I can't believe it's any serious interest. Um, Then on Thursday, um, at his pre-match press conference, um, um, Gary Boyer confirmed to to the press, much to my surprise as well, that uh, an approach had been made by Hull and that it had been passed on to the owners. Um, This was um, a surprise because most times managers don't... um, uh, respond to speculation. Uh, so I was quite surprised that he did that, uh, but obviously was concerned because uh, I'm a big Jordan Rhodes fan. And I was thinking, well, you know, why was it not rejected outright uh, if he if he wasn't for sale? So that suggested to me that the approach was serious and it was at a level in terms of finance that um, the, the board at Ewood felt the owners needed to make a decision. Uh, Obviously, it went up to the owners. Um, despite what the statements saying on Saturday you know, said that they'd rejected any approach, it does appear that one of the owners at least has given Derek Shaw some authority to negotiate a potential deal with Hull because Hull believed that they were given a figure uh, that Rovers would feel as. Rovers would feel is acceptable so I think that's £12 million and then negotiations started on Friday between uh, Rovers and Hull to try and thrash out a deal Um, I think eventually it got the second bid was £11.5 million pounds transfer fee plus um, Alex Bruce who uh, Hull value at half a million so that was £12 plus another Two and a half million pounds in add-on based on performance. So in total, a potential deal could have been worth £14.5 uh, and a half million if you include Alex Bruce. Uh, Alex Bruce at five hundred thousand. Rovers were also given the opportunity to take a look at another two players. Um, I don't know who which two players they were, but Hull, you know, said if you want either these two players that's fine, we're, we're quite happy to include them in a deal. So that was on Friday evening, and Hull felt they'd got their man, and they thought uh, a deal had been reached. And then on Saturday morning, um, Balaji and Venkatesh were in town. Uh, they'd been in, in London for a few days, and they were coming up to Ewood Park. Um, and a statement was released by Rovers um, saying that, you know, they'd received two bids from Hull and that they'd rejected them and um, Broad was not for sale at any price. Um, Again, I was shocked by that because, um, you know, and I think Hull was well because they felt negotiations had been going on and that, you know, Derek Shaw had some authority to to broker a deal with them. But there seems to have been a re-turn. And for me, I think it's down to, this would be classed as a a major decision. And for major decisions, all the Venkis are four people. So it's Mrs Desai, uh, Mr Desai, uh, and uh, that's Mrs Desai's husband, Jitendra Desai, then there's Balaji, and then there's Venkatesh. So for a major decision, all four have to be in agreement. If one is not in agreement, then that major decision can't happen. And I suspect this is what's happened with Jordan Rhodes. One of the owners has said, no, I don't want to sell him. And that's why it's scuppered it. But now we're in a a, a really bad situation because you've got Hull thinking that they can still do a deal because they were encouraged uh, to put a bid in and were given a ballpark figure that Rovers would be happy with. So they're now going to keep trying. You've got Jordan Rhodes, Who's not put in a transfer request yet, but obviously he's committed to Rovers, but then was told on Thursday and Friday that uh the Rovers were willing to sell him, so as a player he's a bit peeved because he feels that the club have messed him around and were willing to sell him uh, you know and and then changed their mind, so you've got that dynamic, and then you've got Gary Boyer stuck in the middle, really uh he wants to. Uh, improve the squad, he's identified three or four positions that he needs to uh, to improve but there's no money, so uh, he's been to Pune to talk with Mrs Desai about having some additional transfer funds so that he can strengthen uh, the squad um, I don't know what, uh, what the outcome of those discussions were, but I do know he had two meetings with her. one on the day that he got there and then one uh, this morning before he left so it'll be interesting to see what's happened but it could come down to Gary Boyer actually turning around to the owners and saying look I'd love to have Jordan Rhodes in the squad but my priority is to get us up and it may be that he says for the greater good of the team so that he can bring three or four players in he may tell the Venky that he'd like to sell Jordan Rhodes so that he can have some transfer funds so that he can then strengthen the squad and that would give us a uh, a better chance of promotion than keeping Jordan Rose. Obviously, I'm a big Jordan Rose fan. I don't want him sold. I think 25 goals a season guaranteed is a hell of a lot of goals uh, that you'd be missing, and 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 I wouldn't want him sold. But I think this one could run and run for a at least for another a day or so, maybe even into into into, into next week. Um, so so that's where we are at the moment.
1: Yeah, the the window uh, shuts rather soon, though, doesn't it? On Monday, yeah. yeah. On Monday, yeah. Yeah, that's the f- the first of September.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Ro- it, it
1: closes on the first of September because the thirty first is a Sunday. Is that right?
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the last thing Rovers want is to sell him at eleven o'clock on on Monday. You know, um, if Boyer is going to sell him, then he'll want it done early so that. They, he has that money and he can spend it uh, well before the transfer deadline on permanent st- signings, rather than than having to rely on the emergency loan window. Um, mm. So, so you know, if a sale is going to happen, then Boyer would want it done sooner rather than later. But I think it all hinges on the discussions with Mrs. Desai, now. If she's prepared to give Boyer two or three million pounds so that he can strengthen the squad in in the key areas that he's identified. Then. I think that that would be the end of Rovers wanting to sell Rhodes. But if she said no, then Boy has got a big decision to make. Does he go back to the owners and say, well, if I can't have this money, then I really need to sell a player, and the only one that's attracting interest is Jordan Rhodes. And you know, he may. I mean, it's a horrendous decision for him to make because, uh, and you and there's no guarantee that the Venkis will obviously listen to it, but they seem to consult him on footballing decisions, it's his final say but must be a horrendous position to put yourself in if he's not given any transfer funds then he may well have to look to sell his star player so that the overall squad can get better and um, you know give us a bit more strength in depth um, and that might improve our chances of, of going up but uh, I mean I wouldn't sell him uh, mm. uh, he's, he's 25-30 goals a season is very hard to replace but uh, it may be uh, Gary, you know, Gary Boyer thinks differently if the owners don't give him any money
1: mm, Yeah Now um, Jordan's uncle is uh, a former uh, Rover from uh, the early 90s, uh, Steve Agnew um, He's uh, the coach over at Hull um, there's some suggestion that uh, uh, family links, um, uh, Jordan's father and, and his uncle, Steve Agnew, uh, may be um, uh, involve, involved in trying to get him over to Hull. Uh, have you heard anything about uh, that?
0: No, I mean, from Jordan's side, of, uh, his agent and his representative has said all along that um, they'll, you know, they they'll work with Rovers and if Rovers don't want to sell him then they, Jordan wouldn't look to push for a move um, I don't know Jordan well at all or what he's like but he comes across as a model professional everyone says yeah, that and yeah. people close to him a uh, couple of people that I know have said that he's not in his, it's not his style really to try and push through a move or try and uh, put in a transfer request um, but you know He has definitely been unsettled, uh, absolutely no doubt about that. And a lot of it's uh, Rovers' own making, um, really. Uh, When the first bid came in, if we didn't want to sell him, they should have just said straight away, no, not for sale, he just signed a new contract, he's our main man, we're not going to sell him. That probably would have been the end of it. But because they started to negotiate with Hull over a couple of days and suggested figures that they felt would be acceptable, it's unsettled him, and you know he's looked at it and said, "Well, wait a minute. Am I that important to you? Am I not important to you? Why, 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 why were you talking to them about selling me when all along you've said to me that you're you're our main striker, etc.?" So I'm sure he's a bit peeved at that, and obviously the way that things have been handled has not been done well. Um, you know, uh, stuff has been leaking out into the press, and and then. You know, they negotiating with Hull, and then the owner saying, No, he's not for sale. Uh, he's not been handled well at all. And I can see why Jordan would be upset and a bit confused about what's going on. But everyone that I talk to say he's a model professional. And you know, you saw that on Saturday mm. after what's been going on. He still was Jordan, he scored, could have had two, you know, um, got a fantastic reception as he went off, and a, a hug from. Gary Boyer were, seemed to chat to him for about two minutes while he was hugging him. So, um, so you know, obviously that relationship is still there um, and and people close to him seem to think he's not the type uh, to to put in a transfer request. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to, just to see how that develops.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good.
0: I think it all comes down to Gary Boyer, to be honest. He's been and had a word with Mrs Desai. He's had two meetings with her, so it'll be down to whether she's approved for him to spend two or three million pounds. If she hasn't, then obviously he's got a decision to make as to what he wants to do next.
1: Yeah. Of course, uh, you're saying Mrs. Desai there. He's just been over to Pune. It was uh, um, it was a pre-arranged uh, visit, so it wasn't in response to uh, uh, the Jordan Rhodes uh, saga. I have uh, my doubts. You think? You think? Because if he'd won. You know, they said it was
0: uh, arranged hmm. weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Well, yep. it can't have been because we played Scunthorpe in the Carling Cup two weeks ago, I think. Yep. Less than that. So, if we'd beaten Scunthorpe, then this week, we would have had a Carling Cup match. Yeah, either today yep. or tomorrow. So, he wouldn't have gone to Pune then would he? So, mm. I have my doubts about yeah. that. Although, you never know, do you? You never know, <laughs> but uh, you know, he normally does it when there's a uh, a Saturday to Saturday game. You know, mm. I, he would not have gone. The fans would have lynched him if he went to Pune at, at, on on you know before a cup tie. I don't think that would have happened. So, so I have my doubts.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, and yeah, Bellagi was at the match um, uh, on Saturday the Bournemouth match, um, second home match uh, that uh, the Venkis have attended. Uh, they're at uh, the Cardiff match as well. Um, makes you wonder why they can't just have a, have a discussion at, uh, at Ewood Park, but uh, s- such is life. It's because Madame Desai is yeah.
0: uh, the key decision-maker. Oh, Boyer. yeah. There's yeah. no point talking to the brothers, really, because they don't have any... De- they'll tell him, if if they ask Balaji, I want £12 million, Balaji say, yeah, he has £12 million. But as soon as he goes to Mrs Desai, she say, nope. You know, so so he's identified who the key decision maker is, and he just goes
1: direct to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're uh, going to move on to a discussion of Venki's uh, and uh, their financial uh, state. Um, I'd Like to uh, welcome in uh, Philip L. It's uh, been a while uh, since uh, Philip's uh, been on the podcast with us. Um, he's been incredibly busy for the last six months apparently hardly been on the forums even, Uh, it's been so busy, Uh, but uh, the annual report and accounts of Venkis London Limited uh, have just been published, Uh, they're on the forums from from today, and uh, Philip Bell's been going through them uh, to uh, sort out the wheat from the chaff. How how are you doing, Philip?
2: Very well, thank you, it's very hot here in Malta, it's uh, been 34 degrees today, and extremely humid. Excellent. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's um, freezing here in uh, in Britain. I think uh, Bank Holiday Monday was uh, one of the wettest and coldest in 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 history. I was hearing earlier, but there you go. But but you're well,
2: very well. Yes, thank you very much.
1: Good, good. And, uh,
2: extremely busy, so I'm afraid that I've uh, not been present, reading the forums or, or contributing. But uh, it's good to be back.
1: Good, 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 good. Now, you've been through the accounts. Uh, Could you just explain to us, uh, these are the Venkis London Limited accounts, yeah?
2: That's great, yeah. Venkis London Limited is the company which was set up uh, by um, our friend from Pune. As the vehicle to buy Blackman Rovers from the Walker Trust or from Rosedale Investments, which is the particular vehicle, um, which was the holding um, company of of the Rovers. Um, Apart from a really weird um, small investment which caused them to be qualified um, there's nothing in Binkeys London Limited except Blackman Rovers Football Club so to all intents and purposes um, the trading numbers are the trading numbers of Blackman Rovers uh, however it gets a little bit more complicated because Blackman Rovers um, their accounts, the football club's accounts run for the football season so the end on the the 30th of june whereas Venki's london limited because of a bunch of things which happened which included failure to file on time and therefore uh, fines and one thing and another they run their accounts to september so the the two sets of numbers are not coterminous um and uh, they also reflect different financial setups um, and so, whilst the numbers for both sets of, uh, of accounts are pretty dire, I mean, let's uh, not forget that Rovers, the, the club, lost 36 million in the year to June 2013. That's over that's three million a month. Uh, Bankies London Limited are reporting a loss of uh, 27 million, um, which was a loss of 12 months ago. They, they're it's a similar loss. Uh, which we're looking at right now uh, so we're in a situation where rovers are still continuing to hemorrhage uh, um, um, losses all the time and they're not really reducing um, the interesting thing and the, the only thing which we can look at here which gives us a feeling of some degree of security is the way that uh, Venki's London Limited are financing these losses. There have been uh, injections of additional share capital into Venki's London Limited. That means, in effect, what's happened is that the uh, Venki's people have put in more cash, uh, which means it isn't as uh, a loan; it's as an actual investment to underpin the losses, and then there are loans which come from the State Bank of India. And although those um, facilities were expiring on September the 30th, 2013, and there were a, a whole, uh, the whole lot of wording uh, which doesn't give very much comfort. Um, there is one thing which is rather interesting. It says that the bank reserves the right to ask for a debenture charge over the assets of the company during the life of the facility, i.e. over the asset. The asset is Black Maria was football club, if you can call it an asset. But it doesn't say they have taken out a debenture charge. So at the moment... It looks like that although um, Rovers are hemorrhaging all this cash and making all these huge losses, um, Rovers still have this degree of protection, which is that uh, the debts which are being taken out in India are against Indian assets, not against the Club of Black Rovers itself. There is an unsecured bank loan in there the, there is um, there's a, a, there are loans which have come from uh, from from Venkis themselves um, twenty one and a half million of it uh, with no interest to be charged and in no intention for it to be repaid um, yeah, uh, and twenty one k of that was converted into share capital so we 're looking at a, a situation where you have to say that Bankies London Limited don't look like they are pulling out of rovers. It looks like they're still bankrolling rovers. There are all kinds of very strong language in there saying you know, there is no guarantee that they will continue to do so and therefore you know, be warned. But there's nothing there which actually says that they're on their way out and uh even for a an unrestrained critic like myself and you have to say that the you know the management of the club is still way below uh, anything which um uh John Williams would have been responsible for you know we've just heard about the farce around uh, Jordan Rhodes um the management of the club's still still awful, but uh, there's at least one of the main keys and, you know, Kami, I think we're pretty certain, is Balaji, who is still um, very much backing this toy uh, some three years or so after it came into his possession. Um, and the money is still going in. Uh, so, you know, frankly, for anybody uh, who looks at ordinary company accounts, and lives in a real world of ordinary corporate business. My goodness, this is a horror story. Beyond the horror story, he's atrocious. But there's something about football clubs. And you only need to look at Bowling Wanderers. You know, there the numbers are, are, are spectacularly worse even than the Rovers numbers. Um, you know, Bellagi keeps coming good. How long that will continue, I have no idea. I really don't. And particularly when it appears that he isn't even master of his own toy. And in the past, we've looked at that and said, so, well, you know, thank goodness he isn't. Uh, now, with um, the need to strengthen the club, uh, to really underline a promotion push, if Balaji's been told, no, you can't, um, then maybe we're all suddenly fans of Balaji. What do you think, Wen?
1: I, I'm, I'm just stunned by, by all the figures, to be honest. Um, first of all, could you confirm, there was um, suggestions that Balaji's money uh, was uh, was being used to finance this, and this was coming from uh, land that uh, he owned. Um, is it still the case that uh, the the bank is uh, allowing these debts to uh, to pile up because they have the security of of land owned by Balaji and that land uh, presumably is still uh, skyrocketing in, in in price?
2: I believe that's the case. In mean, Cami can um, probably help out here, but. Um... My recollection is at one point a figure of around 60 million was the size of the facility which he was allowed to go up to. Uh, that was increased from 30 and 40 up to 60 million. So you know, uh, looking at these numbers, we're not at that limit yet. But um, another year like the one we just had and we go past it. Um, but also there are these uh, comments that this bank facility with the State Bank of India expired on September the 30th so you know that, that, that 60 million facility was potentially um, disappearing I mean the bank has not withdrawn the facility and the directors can continue to believe that the facility will be renewed on acceptable terms and conditions mm. um, you know th- those statements are there um, you know uh it's you know we're a long way after september the 30th 2013 uh so it, we're a little bit in the dark here as to what exactly is going on uh but unlike china which is clearly running into a situation where its property booms coming to an end um it was seen that the property situation in india and particularly around uh, pune continues to chug along uh, you know, from from the standpoint of uh, rover supporters you know, long may it continue to do so. But I mean cami, do, do you have any um, latest uh, from, from Pune in terms of what's going on in the family and uh, you know, uh, the current uh, standing between these four?
0: Yeah, um, thanks for that insight Phil. it was very very interesting to give us some background on what's happening and giving us some understanding of of the accounts uh, but uh, my understanding is that we have to remember that the state bank of india is venki's bank in terms of all the business that they do in in india and outside india so the family's got a long-standing relationship with that bank um, and obviously they put a lot of business uh, through through that bank because they're the main bankers, so you, you've got to understand that first in terms of facilities, etc. There's a lot of trust between Venki's and the State Bank of India. They've got a long-term relationship, and 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 they, they work well together. As far as I know, um, State Bank of India are giving Venki's these loans and these taking these guarantees because Venki's are putting up. Uh, they Assets in India as as guarantees. Now some of these are their business interest, but I believe some of these are also their personal. So, like Balaji has a lot of land. Uh, I believe some of these that have been put up are 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 those kind of assets. Um, and as far as the families concerned, um, I, the feeling that I get is they were willing to give it a go for another year. So. Till the end of the season, they were encouraged by what happened last year with us just missing out on on a playoff spot and generally, the performance is improving as as Gary Boyer uh, got to grips with the squad and he reduced some of the wage bill and bought young hungry players and so they were encouraged by that. I think they're going to give it till the end of this season and try and fund it as best they can and see where we are come may and then in may they 'll make a decision as to what to do next in terms of do they put the club up for sale or do they say right we'll try and fund some more over the next year and and you know this year I think they put twenty one million uh into the club via the share issue, so, so yep. that was the funding for this year no not so, to the club they put the the share issue is to the holding company to the holding company right, so they put that twenty one million into there. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do next May in terms of whether they do that again or whether they decide, well, we've done as much as we can and we now want to move on.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, let me be clear that um, nothing forgives them for what they did uh, after they bought the club from uh, the Walker Trust. Um I'm not withdrawing a word of, of criticism from that time. However, you know we're now uh, in a pact with the devil, um, putting it uh, one way. That um, you know the point I made was that it, it appears that, that Balagi still um, supports the club. Still, he's putting in a huge amount of money for the club, um, and uh, one can imagine that Baladji is the one who's saying I'm not selling Jordan Rose, I mean, and this is pure speculation on my part. Um, you know, uh, we're dealing with four people who don't, uh, very, from what we can understand, certainly when it comes to rovers, don't very often agree with each other. Uh, that That Uh, creates a certain degree of inertia and so long as Balanji is hanging in there and we know that um, there were possible uh, sales uh, in the past which uh, got blocked um, um, we're in a situation where um, at the moment I think we've just got to say thank you Balanji otherwise you know the bailiffs would be in
1: Talking about uh, the monthly losses on, in terms of operation, um, those will only be shown in the club accounts, is that correct?
2: No, no, I mean, look, the, the, the issue is that in the consolidation, i.e. The, the parent company, what you do is you add up all the subsidiaries and you show them in the parent. Now, the parent doesn't do anything, it's, an, it's virtually a non-trading company, so the numbers which you're seeing in the parent company are in effect the Rose accounts September to September.
1: Okay. So they're subsumed so, within. That's right, yes. Oh, I so see, so I you, see.
2: that's why we call it consolidation. You just you add all the all the assets which you own together to create the parent company's accounts. Now, the parent does nothing, so the only thing to add in is rovers. So, in effect, we get two looks at rovers each year yeah. in terms of the trading accounts, you know, and, and so you have to say that, that there is a, a, a reduction to a certain extent in, in the loss compared with the 12 months of June 2013. Um, uh, the, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the 12 months to June 2014 show, uh, when, when those accounts come out. Um, and typically we won't need to wait as long as we do for the Venkis accounts to come out because they use the absolute, uh, maximum time permitted for the publication of the Venkis London accounts. Um One of the things which, which I still find amazing is that um, they didn't make use of the ability to force out the tiny shareholders who dated before Jack Walker when they bought rovers. As a result of that, they have to go through a sort of quasi uh, public general meeting, which means that the rovers accounts invariably come out in um, November, December time. So we're going to get the June 2014 accounts uh, sometime in early December, probably this year. Uh, and that that will give us another picture as to how much we're losing. I, the loss I anticipate will be down on last year. Uh, you know, we haven't gone through so many managers this year. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, the Chevy nonsense nonsenses, etc, etc and there'd yeah, there's been a general attempt to, to bring the club back into some sort of uh, um, reasonable management. Yeah. I mean, as, you, as we were hearing about the Jordan Road situation, it, it's we're not all singing from the same hymn sheet yet. Mm. Um... But uh, it, it's not the farce it was. You know, we, we, there, there are other clubs who we look at and we look at their supporters and say, well, you know, you're going through what we went through.
1: Mm. Uh, how, how does this all relate to uh, financial fair play? I mean, the, the club has actively been getting players uh, with high wages, high, you know, the high earners off the books. Uh, from uh, last uh, uh, January transfer window and, and then again uh, this, uh, uh, this close season. Uh, well, how, in, how does it relate to FSP? I mean, basically,
2: they, they, the sort of ban on transfers sort of comes in next year. Mm-hmm. But the way that financial fi- fair play is worded, so far as I'm concerned, it means that we wouldn't do ourselves any favour uh, spending money on transfers right now. Um, however there are plenty of clubs which are in financial fair play trouble and they've been happily buying players this summer Ooh. and I, I think I, you know um, yeah, I, I would personally if I were the owner of a club who, which he'd been pulled in for financial fair play problems I would go to the authorities and say okay here's the keys take it it's yours if you're not allowing me to, to run the club as I see fit, you you, know, uh, you shut down a 135-year-old club uh, and, and on your head be it, the Football League. Mm. Now, half, the,
0: half the championship is in financial fair play trouble. Um, exactly. The, the
2: rules of financial fair play are not particularly clever.
0: No, and, and the Football League are absolutely petrified They've been scrambling around last two, three months to try and get uh, the financial fair play uh, amended, the regulations amended. Unfortunately, the League One and League Two clubs rejected that. So they're now looking at some kind of other um, alternative kind of um, uh, way of getting around it because they are absolutely petrified of clubs taking legal action against them and they are not confident that if it went, to the law courts particularly for the clubs who've come down from the Premier League so the likes of Rovers Wigan Bolton uh, you know those clubs particularly them uh, if they took it to the law courts they've got a very good chance of getting FFP overturned and not only that they could then turn around and sue the Football League because you know they've been restricted from trading the last two years in, in the way they mm-hmm. wanted to do so so there's this whole legal minefield ready to blow up at any time and that's why the Football League have been really scrambling around to try and get some kind of uh, amendments made to it or a postponement because they are they are petrified about it going to legal action and the ones the Premier League clubs in particular who've come down will probably have a Quite a, a strong case to get it overturned, and then if they manage that, then it would open up uh, legal recourse for suing the football league for restriction yep. of trade, etc. So, so that's why the likes of Wigan and and other clubs are still continuing to sign players and strengthen their squads. Derby, you know, they're all contravening football, financial football, fair play, football league sorry, fair play, but they seem to be pretty confident that there's going to be some changes made. And if not, then they're going to take some legal action, which uh, they must be confident of getting FFP overturned uh, full stop.
2: Well, I believe that the Football League were enormously relieved that QPR got promoted. Yeah, but they've
0: got to hit them with the fine, £45 million fine. You know, if they're going to implement this um, uh, exactly. financial fair play, they, can't, they cannot say, well or we're just punishing the uh, the likes of Rovers, etc. They're going to have to punish everyone. And if that's the case, then they're going to have to fine uh, uh, QPR 45 million quid. Good luck with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, quite.
0: <laughs> so,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, quite honestly, it's a mess.
0: Exactly. So, a lot of the clubs have been ignoring it, to be, to be honest. Rovers have been quite studious about trying to comply with it and getting, like you said, getting the uh, high earners off the books, etc. But from what I can see, a lot of the other clubs are just ignoring it.
2: Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, we still have Derek Shaw as chairman. And Derek Shaw is a genius who said that we would be in trouble. For you know, He's actually gone on record that we're in trouble on FFP and all kinds of awful things were going to happen to us. I mean, frankly, that was one of the most idiotic things I've ever seen any chairman ever say. Exactly, you know, because exactly. If Rovers go to court, that's going to be thrown straight back at them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, the defence may be, well, yeah, we've got a rogue chairman again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Crazy.
1: Um, um, Indeed. T- talking about... Uh, uh, Wage, wages and uh, high earners. Uh, presumably irrespective of FFP, there's been a, a need financially uh, for, for the club to get their wage ratio down. Uh, I'm just wondering whether the accounts indicate uh, that the wage ratio is coming down. I think it was something ridiculous like 94 to 96% uh, previously. It's,
0: it's,
2: it's still well over 100%. In fact, I think it's slightly increased. Mm. This is this well, let me be clear. The, the, this is comparing Benke's London limited accounts with the previous year.
1: Yeah.
2: So, so the the ratio actually went a bit worse. Uh,
1: that's presumably because uh, income as a whole is down.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, and you know, income through the gates is about three and a half million million. nothing. Um, you know, and and now that we we're no longer receiving Premier League. Um, uh, television deals. You know, I mean, effectively, um, you know, this is a a club which had a turnover of sixty million, and you know, um, a year from now it, it will have it will be looking to have a turnover, I don't know, above twelve million.
1: Yeah.
2: and that's the consequence of yeah. the sheer idiocy, and uh, you know. I would—I'll I say it—the total incompetence uh, of a certain agent who supposedly mm-hmm. knew how to run a football
0: club—and mm-hmm. then compounding it by bringing Shebby Singh in during the first well, I mean, season the,
2: the, down. Mrs D actually had—I mean, unbelievably—Mrs D actually had the accounts balanced at the point we got relegated. Yeah, Sheby, yeah.
0: blew the lot. Exactly. Exactly. Crazy. They, so they made the, They compounded their
1: own mistake.
2: Absolutely.
1: So yeah, the, basically the wages are coming down uh, as a uh, as an absolute figure, uh, but the income uh, as a whole is coming down at an even greater rate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and the losses
0: will be quite high again this year because you've got to remember, while we've not sacked any managers, we've paid off a lot of players. Um, you know, so 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 those figures will be in, in, in the accounts as well.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, the, the, I, when did we get rid of them? Because I think well, some of them went after the 30th of June. Didn't
0: ah, they? yes, 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 that's right. They're, actually, yeah.
2: yeah so, so, they may be in the sort of subsequent events.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and presumably this is planned that they will have looked at the timing of it, 30th of June, and said right, we'll put this, this lot in uh, before, before 30th of June and, and leave a few till after.
2: I really, I, I don't see enough intelligence. It may be being very rude here, uh, but when Karen Silk was around, at least there was a, 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 an FD who knew what, what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, uh, I mean, I may be being terribly unfair to the current FD. Yeah.
1: I see. I see. Good. Um, we had considerable concerns uh, about going into administration um, before the. I think it's the, the, the final mar- uh, March, th- final final Thursday in March. I think isn't it um, the, the crucial date? Uh, but that didn't happen this time around. Um, are there going to be similar fears played out between now and uh, next March?
2: Inevitably. Mm. I mean, you know, it really comes down... You know, if Balaji decides not to write the cheques, then we're out.
1: Mm.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, the, 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 um, the cash will dry up um, in days or weeks. Mm. So, uh, you know, and, and Cammy has just said that they're going to take a long, long, hard look at it. So it is... Um, literally life or death, that we're up there within touching distance of promotion if not in the promotion places. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd hate to see um, what uh you know if, if we drop right off the pace. And you know, this is a very fickle division. Um yeah you got <laughs> i don't want to get paranoid but those penalty decisions going against us etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know, i think that we are good enough um to to get automatic promotion almost with the existing squad if we're fortunate with injuries and if gary boyer learns how to manage the second half um you know uh, we, we've had this magnificent unbeaten run. Um, there's no reason why we can't, can't keep it up. We certainly have the, fi- the firepower up front to, to cause damage. It, it really comes down to um, whether we can handle uh, team, the opposition managers going to plan B and Gary spotting it and knowing what to do about it. Um, but I, I really think that, um, yeah, we do stand a good chance of, of, of being in promotion contention and, and I fully hope and expect that we will be. Um, it, it's, uh, but if we don't, if we're not where I think we should be, then frankly, I, I hate to think Um you know, what it's gonna be like in March next year because if say we're in the bottom half of the table come March next year and no realistic chance of getting into the playoffs, uh what are they going to do? Because they'll be desperately disappointed, you know, and um are they are they gonna stick with this? What would you do if you were in their position?
0: I don't think they'll put it into administration, but I think they will look to sell the club and I suspect they've got maybe someone even lined up or someone they think would would want to take over. So I don't think they would put it into administration, so to speak, but mm-hmm. they could well take a decision to to actually sell the club.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've had this conversation before that there's yeah. um, probably far too many skeletons for an yeah. administration to let loose some.
1: Moving on from... Uh, discussion of uh, the accounts um, just to end off on a, a, a slightly less uh, morbid and morose uh, note uh, this season, key players Tom Kearney, fans player of the season last season, Rudy Gustead I think he's got 12 in 12 his last 12 uh, league games now uh, Jason Law moved to uh, right back from centre midfield got. Uh, Jordan Rods, of course, uh, 29 goals followed by 25 goals. New contract. Hopefully, he's staying with us. Uh, up and coming, we've got Jack O'Connell. Who do you think are going to be the key players for the season? Uh, start off with you, Cammy. Uh, Tom Kennedy, definitely. Um, he's our. He
0: can become our two guy. Um, he 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 he's definitely the one that can help take control of games, etc. So Tom Kenny's uh, one. Uh, obviously, if we keep roads, then he's going to be key. And Rudiger Stead is the other one. Uh, I'd called him famously Leon Bestmark too. How wrong was I? <laughs> uh, uh, he's been fantastic. You know, the, the, the physicality that he shows is, is brilliant, particularly away from home. He's scoring goals as well. So he'd be the other one. Uh, that I would, I would say, and Conway and Marshall maybe as well out wide. If Boyer can, wants to play this counter-attacking game, uh, you need pace out wide. So, so, so those are the the five I would say yeah. that we, we, we would need to play at the optimum uh, if we want to do something.
1: Yeah, and it's significant that you've picked out all the uh, basically attacking players.
0: Yes, uh, the defence is uh,
1: a. <laughs> uh, Less said about
0: that, the better I think. Hmm. Although I have to say, I've been very impressed with Baptiste uh, at centre half, at yeah. uh, right yeah. back. He was a uh, first game, first half. He was like, "Wow, hmm. this guy is getting done over the time." As soon as he went to centre back, he was looked comfortable, good, quite a good reading of the game. Uh, not scared to put his head in where it hurts. Um, so I've been fairly impressed with him. Um, um, you know, so so so. There's some hope there and then Grant Handy is obviously Grant Handy. He can be brilliant, but he can also be rash. If you can cut those rash moments out and just concentrate on what he's good at, which is defending and getting the ball and clearing it and not making those rash challenges, then there is a good defender there, but you always worry with him in terms of is he going to do something rash at a key moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh Baptiste uh Against Stoke in the uh, pre-season friendly, he was playing at full-back, and uh, it had me a little bit worried against Stoke. And uh, then Cardiff, uh, I I was even more worried. Uh, As soon as he moved into central defence, however, he looked much more calm and assured. And uh, he had a very, very good game against Bournemouth, I thought. Uh, So, mm, uh, I'm pretty pretty impressed with uh, uh, Baptiste uh, having had initial reservations. Philip, uh, who do you see as key players for this season?
2: Well, I mean, I, 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 would, I would just select uh, Robinson and whoever's playing in the back four. Um, we don't think that, well, first of all, they've got to stay fit. And secondly, they've got to prove, I think a lot of us wrong and really gel into an effective unit. If they do, if Those five um, come good, and our goals against uh, column uh, decreases, then we 're going up because we 've got enough in the midfield and the forwards to to, to do any club damage mm. but um, it's it 's that back unit mm. and you know I, I think i mean i 've been very impressed with what I saw of Baptiste. I think, um, Hanley can be a very good defender, but if you've got a cute forward against him, you know that he's going to buy, uh, a decision against Hanley. Um, I thought, um, Adam Henley, uh, back from injury. I mean, there's a tremendous little player. Uh, low going to pull back. Marcus Olsen has pleasantly surprised. You know, um, I, I, I think the, if we lose one of Baptiste or Hanley to long-term injury, I mean, we, we're naked at the back. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible situation to be in, but if they keep fit and they get together as a unit and they start being miserly, um, then that, to me, is the key to going up.
1: Mm.
2: The, back, the back row and, and, and rubber.
1: Mm.
2: for me, yeah. they're the key players.
1: Yeah. Kilgallen's already injured um, absolutely like, like you say, we're pretty threadbare in the middle uh, Jack O'Connell I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing him at some stage um, well
2: I saw him as a youngster uh, playing in the, the FA Youth final I know we, we, we got Turned over by, I mean, I remember uh, the FA Youth Cup final against Chelsea. He played in that. And then the, um, the the Premier League uh, reserves playoffs game against Fulham. Uh, I think he played in that as well. Uh, I mean, obviously, there were disappointing results, but I thought O'Connell uh, looked very much the part. And, um, you yeah, I know, think, I, I think there is potentially a very, very good player there.
1: Mm. Interesting that neither of you uh, mentioned the the center of midfield um, for me the the Bournemouth match uh, indicated for me what 's a major problem. Uh, the opposing teams when they run at us um, it's uh, um, it 's quite disturbing. Uh, they seem to be able to cut through cut through the center through the middle of uh, the park uh, like a knife through butter, and uh, when they hit the uh, Edge of the area, it's Keystone Cops uh, stuff uh, at the back, and uh, for me, it's not so much the back four as the protection that is given to the back four, and uh, for me, also the lack of uh, of a how shall I say a consistent uh, team effort to defend from the front. Uh, sometimes you get it. There's a, a really good period against Bournemouth where we were pressing, uh, but we don't do it consistently enough uh, for, for my liking. Uh, cause when we do it, we look, we look, uh, we look pretty good, um, and we're we're really missing someone uh, uh, in the middle of the park to to boss other teams, uh, dominate other teams. Well, um, if
2: you look at the stats against Bournemouth, you'd have thought we'd lost six 0 at home to Bournemouth. Um. Unbelievable lack of possession. Uh, Bournemouth had, I think, twice as many chances as we had. I mean, four times as many corners. <laughs> it was extraordinary. Mm. Uh, yet, you know, we, we actually gave them, in reality, a bit of a thrashing. And they were, you know, they should never have been in it. Mm. Uh, 10 minutes from the end to come back, you know, with, mm. a, with a free penalty. Mm. Uh, Against that, I was really pleasantly surprised that we totally dominated Cardiff in, in terms of possession. And here with the club newly relegated from the Premier League, so you'd think they were used to to um, knowing how to pass it around. But Rose dominated that game. Yeah,
0: and uh, and we should have beaten Cardiff. We had enough chances in that second half, particularly in the last twenty minutes, uh, to to win that game. Um, so. That was a hugely encouraging performance, I thought. It was
2: indeed. I mean, we should have had that penalty right at the start.
0: Yeah, definite. Mm.
1: Yeah, I thought the Cardiff match, uh, second half Cardiff were just happy to uh, cede possession and uh, territorial uh, advantage. Uh, They they looked extremely comfortable, I thought, in the second half. Um, But, um, yeah, I think that's where the possession comes from. I think they actually gave, gave us the possession. But, um, yeah, um, I thought they looked pretty comfortable, to be honest.
2: Well, I mean, everything we're saying Mm. really cries out for two or three, you know, uh, seasoned pros to be brought in. Mm. And that would... Um, and make 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 an enormous difference. You know, there have been on the comments on the on the boards about you know the big difference. People like Kevin Moran made to us. Uh, you know, in previous uh, campaigns, um, we need to find somebody like that. Uh,
0: did did we, did we bring Colin Henry back when we went up? Yeah, we did. With, yeah, with, Colin with, with Henry.
2: people. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And then the last time. Remember we bought Brad Friedel in and Henning Berg, didn't we? And Mark. Absolutely, yeah. And Mark Hughes as well, I think. Wasn't he? Did he arrive? Yeah, I think he arrived the year we went. So yeah, um, that's a good point, Philip. Uh, the last two times we've gone up, it's not been the young players. It's because we bought some seasoned professionals in that have ha- had those younger players uh, gel and, and 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 has taken us up.
1: Yeah. Uh, well. It's been good to talk about uh, the beginning of the season again and uh, get up to date with uh, various uh, news on transfers and also the finances, uh, finding out uh, a little bit more about uh, what, what kind of state we're in. Uh, thanks ever so much to uh, Cami and to Philip for joining us. Uh, thanks to the both of you.
0: No problems.
1: Enjoyed it and hopefully we'll do another one in next week or so.
2: Yeah, thanks for inviting me on.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. Good. Well, that's all we have time for. And uh, yeah, it's uh, first first one of the season and uh, we look forward to uh, having you back with us uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, should be fairly regular uh, now that we're up and running for the season. So uh, thank you ever so much to everyone out there listening to us, and wherever you are, do take good care. Thank you
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.